Hi, I'm Amanda, and it is what it is. Welcome back to It Is What It Is. I'm Amanda, your host, and I hope that everybody had a happy whatever you celebrate. Um, Or if you don't celebrate anything this time of year, I hope you at least got some time to relax. And if you didn't have a happy whatever, that's okay too. Uh, I hope it was whatever you needed it to be. Um, So as promised, This episode is going to be about boundaries. What are they? How do we set them? How do we maintain them? And why do we need them? Um, And I want to start off by saying that while I was editing the last episode, I uh, had a little bit of a sick feeling in my stomach um, because for the first time, really, publicly, I was stating how... I want to be treated in my relationships and how I want my life to feel. And there, um, you know, uh, this year, especially the end of this year, I've been working on creating space and holding space for more than one thing to be true. Uh, and, and to sort of honor my feelings as they come up and, um, sit with them. So there's, you know, there's this part of me that's, that's really proud of that episode, um, that is able to see the progress I've made in that episode. And then there's also another part of me that's like, who the fuck do you think you are? And that part of me feels like I am asking for too much and that I should just take what I can get. And there's part of me that feels like, I will continue to be alone because I'm asking for too much. And I point all this out to show you that this is something that I'm still working on. This is something I struggle with every day. And like I said, making big changes and big shifts in your life requires patience, um, requires practice, and uh, you have to give yourself some grace as you grow and evolve. Um, Have some compassion for yourself. And, um, you know, recognize that you are changing and if you are uncomfortable with the change, if you're having a hard time welcoming the change, at least you can be in a space of seeing that you're trying and you're making an effort and that, and that in itself is significant. Um, and also I just don't understand why every time I sit down to record, is when my dogs decide they're thirsty. Like, I don't know if you can hear it or not. I try to have the microphone closer to me now, which is slightly farther away from their water bowl, but it's like, we we are, so we've been sitting here all night 
And then as soon as I sit down, they're like, actually, let me lap water loudly. Um, And now, like, one of them is licking himself under the table. I just, I can't. All right. So before we dive into this episode, I'm going to do a book poll. And I was really feeling like pulling something off my bookshelf that I haven't pulled from before. And um, I have this other book of poetry that I've had uh, since the beginning of this year. So let's see what this uh, book has. And it's, it's Changing with the Tides by Shelby Lee. Hmm. All right. To the one who walked away, I was scared to be without you. You used to breathe, breathe life into my lungs, and then suddenly I had to breathe on my own. But I've learned I can exist happily without you. Actually, I can flourish without you. And that's on divorce, people. And you know what? Honestly, like, that can be attributed to any relationship that wasn't healthy. Um, you know, those those relationships that you chose not to mend or heal, the ones that you really did have to walk away from. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling like, feeling like one more thing here. I'm starting to see a theme. I forgot that I bought this right, like right after I left my ex-husband. So, uh, to the one who controlled me, like the leaves that hang on autumn trees, I changed my colors for you just so I could hear you say I'm beautiful. But do you still recognize me after I made the changes you asked for? Or am I identical to everyone else who wasn't good enough for you? Um, I like the beginning. (laughs) The ending's a little dark. Oh, man. Um, You know what? I'm just going to take this as a sign that I am not in this place anymore. Um, It's a a lot... uh, Another testament to my growth. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, But, you know, that whole concept of being, changing the leaves on the tree goes along with what I've been talking about for several weeks now, which is codependency and people-pleasing. And uh, anyway, what's the boundary? I want to start off with this quote from... Prentice Hemphill, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. So boundaries are sort of like parameters that you put in place to help you navigate and maintain your relationships. Um, I think there's this misconception that boundaries are, boundaries push people away. I think that it can feel that way if you're not used to someone setting boundaries with you. And it can be really fucking scary if you're not used to setting boundaries yourself. And, and I'll get more into that in a little bit. But um, boundaries dictate what you are willing to tolerate in your life. Uh, and if you're a recovering codependent like me, this might be foreign to you. <laughs> because you may have been willing to tolerate pretty much anything in your relationships. You may have allowed people to speak to you in a disrespectful way. You may have allowed others to treat you poorly. Um, And you may not have put limits on who has access to you and who has access to your energy. So boundaries allow you to shift that. And they allow you to prioritize your peace. 
Um, so there's several different types of boundaries and these are just, as I understand them, these are boundaries that I have worked on or that I anticipate working on. Um, so there's sort of, you know, the, the bigger umbrella of boundaries in general, and then there's different kinds. So there are physical boundaries, sexual boundaries, emotional boundaries, time or energetic boundaries, and intellectual boundaries. And again, like this is not, this may not be an exhaustive list. There may be some, if there's some that you're familiar with or you know about, and um, please send me a message on Instagram because I am certainly down to learn more. Um, And maybe you define these or you've seen these defined in a different way. But this, again, is my definition, my understanding, my conceptualization of this at this moment in time. So physical boundaries. They are meant to protect your body and your personal space. And they detail how, when, and where you want to be touched. Um, Or even if like you want to think about your kind of personal space, your bubble, like who, how, how close do you want people to get? Um, Do you, you know, do you want, do you like being hugged? Do you want a uh, handshake with somebody? Uh, So for me, one thing that I really hate is when someone touches me when I cry. And I know that this is like a normal human instinct. And we like, we put our hand on someone's shoulder or on their knee, or we rub their back or hand them a box of tissues. And I get it. That's, it's normal. And it's not unreasonable. I just don't like it. (laughs) And I know, I know that when someone does this, it's, it's an attempt to comfort or empathize or whatever. Um, But for me, if someone touches me when I'm crying, and, and I did not ask for that. <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable because crying is something that's difficult for me to do. Not that it's easy for anybody, but like once I get into that place, uh, sometimes if someone touches me, I'm like, oh, and it just the well dries up. But I'm like, all right, never mind. Can't do this right now. So if that happens and it's not something that I want, I might say something like, please don't touch me while I'm crying. Uh, another example of this which sort of teeters the line between physical and sexual. But um, another example of this for me is PDA, public displays of affection. I uh, am not a big fan and I, you know, I'm okay with holding hands in public, uh, maybe a quick kiss here or there. Um, But like, that's about it. I don't want to be like making out in front of people. Uh, really like I I don't like I just don't like it (laughs) so that is something I would want to communicate to a partner in the future by saying something like hey PDA makes me uncomfortable I don't mind if you hold my hand but please save everything else for when we're alone and I acknowledge that at this time that is you know that's that's my own shit um I I certainly wouldn't expect someone who loves PDA. Maybe that, maybe that's something they're okay with. And that's something that they like. So I understand that my discomfort with it is something I may want to look at, 
But right now, where I'm at, I don't like it, and that's okay. And I, and I just communicate that. So sexual boundaries are similar to physical boundaries. They just they're just a little bit more specific to sexual contact. And this can be something as simple as not wanting to have sex with somebody on the first date. Um, seeking verbal consent before sleeping with somebody uh, or, or doing anything, you know, before you kiss somebody or um, whatever. Is it okay if I do this? And then getting that consent. But um, again, they can be a little bit more, sexual boundaries can be a little bit more specific. So maybe your partner does something during sex or touches you in a way that makes you uncomfortable and you can communicate that to them by saying something like, Hey, it makes me uncomfortable when you touch me like that. Please don't do that anymore. And again, that's that that's an opportunity for a conversation if, if you're open to it. So if you are in a healthy relationship where you feel safe and you say, Hey, I don't like when you do that, please don't touch me like that. Maybe your partner could say, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Do you, do you want to talk about why that is? And maybe, maybe like in the middle of sex is not, is not the time you want to do that. But um, maybe after the fact, like talk about it. And I had this experience. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to get a little, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. So when I was in high school, um, I, I guess it, it was a sexual assault. Um, and it, it probably would have been full on rape had this person's mother not come home when, when this was happening. And so as a result of that, um, I don't want anybody like holding me down during sex, uh, any kind of like restraint, even if it's just like, you know, not with any kind of prop or anything, but like it, it, it makes, it makes me feel very <laughs> unsafe and very uncomfortable. Um, so again, if you're in, if you're in a healthy relationship and you have a partner that you feel safe with, maybe you can talk about that experience and say, Hey, this is a thing that happened. And when you do X, Y, Z, it reminds me of this experience and it's not something that I'm comfortable with right now. I may never be comfortable with it. Um, and you know, I've, I've struggled with boundaries in general, but, um, sexual boundaries have been especially difficult for me. Again, we're getting vulnerable here. Um, because I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with this. And I think this is one of those things we aren't supposed to talk about. I think, um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of shame and guilt and, uh, embarrassment around this, all of this. <laughs> so, uh, if you've been a consistent listener, you're familiar with my history of people pleasing. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that this is something shouldn't be a surprise to you that this is something that I have struggled with. Um, I'm realizing, uh, that I have always prioritized my partner's needs above my own, especially sexually. Uh, I, I've had a lot of shame about my body 
And I've always been afraid that if I wasn't pleasing my partner, if I wasn't attractive to them uh, or turning them on, that, that they would get bored with me and leave um, or they would find someone else. And, you know, the fact that I've been cheated on in almost every relationship I've been in didn't really help. Uh, and again, I'm working through that. But uh, every time that would happen, I would wonder, you know, what that other woman had that I didn't have, what they were offering that I wasn't offering. Because again, people pleaser, I will go above and beyond to the ends of the earth to make sure that you are happy, even if I am unhappy. So every time it would happen, I would be left with like, I, I've done everything I can think to do. Like, I've done everything you've asked me to do. What? Why? Why am I still not enough? And, uh, you know, like why, why I, I used to feel like why I was, why wasn't I good enough to keep the attention of my partner? Um, I've said yes to having sex many times when I didn't want to. I've been extremely uncomfortable during sex and didn't say anything. Um, I've always used sex as a means of connection. A lot of times without any emotional connection. Um, and in a lot of my relationships, that was the only time that I actually felt wanted or desired uh, by my partner. And I wanted to take the time to speak to some of this. Partially because I think this may be one of the next places I go with my healing. And it's helpful to say this stuff out loud for me. Um, it's hard, but it's helpful. And uh, I also think that this is something men and women alike struggle with in silence because of all that shame. And uh, women especially, you know, have largely existed <laughs> to serve and please and obey their husbands. And our bodies have been instruments of reproduction. They're not meant for pleasure, uh, especially not our own. They can, you know, can be used for someone else's pleasure. And I, you know, I know that some of that is maybe outdated and some progress has been made, but I think that a lot of that underlying stuff is still there. Um, those expectations still exist. Even if a man or a partner, whoever is not consciously aware of it, there, that some of that is internalized. Uh, I'm telling you, I've come across a lot of men who uh, were not at all concerned about my happiness in the bedroom. Uh, not like literally not on their radar. So um, to bring it back to boundaries. I want to give myself and anyone else who's listening the permission to prioritize their wants and needs in the bedroom. I want to give you permission to say no. I want to give you permission to get to know yourself so that you can communicate openly and honestly with your partner. Um, and if, if you don't know what's wrong and you don't know what makes you uncomfortable, I don't like the word wrong, but for lack of a better word, if you don't know what's wrong and you don't know what makes you uncomfortable, how can you talk about it? If you have you know, reactions to being touched a certain way or um, maybe spoken to a certain way during sex or whatever. Like if something is setting you off and not in a good way and you don't even know why, how are you going to talk about it? Um, so yeah, giving you permission to explore that and say no and um, yeah, 
I think think I may be headed there next <laughs> with some of my my own healing work. But anyway, let's move on to a lighter topic, and I say that sarcastically. Emotional boundaries. So emotional boundaries involve acknowledging and respecting what you and other people have the capacity for emotionally. And I'm realizing that I have not only been an emotional dumper, but I have allowed other people to dump on me as well. And I have been the one that calls crying hysterically with no concern or awareness of what that person on the other end of the phone may be going through. And you might be thinking, Amanda, shouldn't my people be there for me? Shouldn't my friends pick up the phone when I call? Of course, but only when they have the capacity to do so. And I'm working on texting someone before I call, asking if they're able to talk. And if they say no, I'm working on not taking it personally. I respect their emotional boundaries. And I do this in hopes that other people will have that consideration for me as well. Um, Sort of set that as a standard in any of my relationships and interactions. Uh, Because if you don't have the capacity for something and you do it anyway, then that leads to resentment. If you've had a really, really long day and your friend calls you, and you answer and i've been i've been the friend on both sides of the phone you answer and the friend is sobbing and i hate him and i can't believe he did this again and what am i going to do and my life is over and uh you you're just drained from you had a really shitty day uh you're not going to be able to show up for your friend <laughs> in the way that they need you to show up and that doesn't mean you're a bad friend it just means You're not in a place for that at that current moment. And it's okay to either not answer the phone. It's okay to not answer the phone and send a text and say like, hey, I've had a really bad day. I'll I'll call you back tomorrow. Um, It's, you know, it's also okay to answer the phone. And and maybe the person was just calling to say like, hey, I just want to tell you this really funny story. And maybe you have the capacity for that. Or if it's the sobbing, I hate him, whatever. Maybe say, hey, I I love you and I want to be here for you. I just, I, I don't have it in me right now. And I, you know, I was going to say I'm sorry. Uh, but I think, I think that if you have a good relationship with somebody and you articulate that, then they'll, they'll understand. Maybe it'll be harder for them to understand when they're in that heightened emotional state. But eventually they'll understand, especially if they're doing this for themselves too. Um, so on a related note, I spent Christmas alone this year by choice. Uh, I, you know, I was invited to go places, but last year on Christmas, my marriage ended and the day after I moved out. Um, and deep down I knew that I did not have the emotional capacity to be social or to be present uh, and that, and that would not be fair to me or anyone else. Uh, so I spent the day hiking and I drove up and down the Blue Ridge Parkway. I stopped at Overlooks. Uh, I sat at one in particular for a while. And at some points the wind was so loud 
that I couldn't even hear myself think. It was on, it was great. Um, and I really gave myself permission to feel what I needed to feel. And I knew that if I was around other people, anybody really, um, that I wouldn't be able to do that. And so wasn't personal. Uh, I just wanted to give myself space to experience whatever came up. And, and I, and I chose to like, lead, I, mean, you know, I could have gone for a walk around my neighborhood or whatever, but I chose to like go somewhere else. Um, I kind of assumed that it wouldn't be that busy, but I was surprised to see how many people were out and about hiking on Christmas day, but I was able to find some quiet places and spaces to just be and sit on a rock and cry and think about everything that's happened this year, everything that I've been through and worked through. And, um, it was just, uh, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but I needed it. Like I, I needed to feel that pain. I needed to feel the grief. I needed to feel grateful for what I've been through and where I am now. Um, and I, I, as soon as I am driving, when I'm driving to the mountains, as soon as I can like see them in the distance, I automatically feel better. Um, just seeing them (laughs) and then to actually like be among them and pick up rocks and touch the trees. Um, it just makes me feel so much better. So, all right, we're coming, coming towards the end of the list here. And now we have time boundaries, which are sort of similar to emotional boundaries, but time boundaries are less about your emotional state and more about literally the amount of time you're able to commit to someone or something. Um, And people who struggle to set boundaries tend to overcommit and overextend themselves, which again, you guessed it, leads to resentment. So before you say yes to something, ask yourself if you really have the time for it. And if you don't, maybe you need to say no. Or if it's something that feels really important, uh, maybe you can adjust or rearrange uh, or make space for that. But that's up to you. Um, So a specific example from my own life is that I have stopped, and I stopped doing this a while ago, but I stopped checking my work email after hours or over the weekend. I'm not getting paid for it. There isn't anything I can really do about whatever it is until I get back to work anyway. Um, And if it was some kind of earth-shattering emergency, I really can't imagine what that would be that would require my immediate assistance. But if anything like that ever did happen, I'm sure someone would call me or get in touch with me or let me know. Um, my my time off is important to me and I don't need to be spending that time checking work emails. And one of my intentions for next year is to work on not talking about work when I'm not at work. Like, leave it there. It will be there when you get back. Um And it it sort of ties to another one of my intentions, which is I'm trying to complain less. So, you know, those things go together sometimes. But, um, yeah, your your time off is important. And you shouldn't be spending it doing work-related things unless you're getting paid for it. Um, Honestly, how I feel. So speaking of important time. Uh, I am also someone who is habitually late for things. 
And I'm working on it because I realize when I'm late, I'm not respecting someone else's time. Um, so if that's you and you're like me and you're always late, you know, especially in those situations where someone's waiting for you or you're, you're meeting somebody for lunch and you're late or you told your friend you'd call them at six o'clock and you call them at six 30 and it wasn't for really any good reason other than you forgot or you were what you got lost in your TV show or whatever it is, you know, like it's, it's disrespectful to other people's time to not be on time. Um, so yeah, consider that. All right. The last one I want to talk about, certainly not least is intellectual boundaries, which really involves respecting one's right to their own beliefs. And I, uh, I was looking into some of this too, before I, you know, took my notes and, and put my thoughts together for this episode. Um, and I think some people define intellectual boundaries as also including, uh, uh, what am I, what's the words I'm trying to say? Like intellectual property. Like if someone, if someone does their dissertation and they find these really big research results, um, you should not claim ownership of that and be like, you know what? I had this really interesting thought the other day. You didn't have a thought. You read somebody's article. Someone put a lot of hard work into that. Um, respect that. Uh, anyway, so that's just a thought on that. But how I consider and conceptualize intellectual boundaries, again, is respecting one's right to their own beliefs. Uh, meeting people where they're at. Oftentimes agreeing to disagree. Realizing that several people can go through the same thing and experience it very differently. And this could be literal, like in your workplace. Uh, everyone is working in the same physical space, but everyone is experiencing it a little bit differently. Um, or it could be something like two people who have been, uh, you know, through a similar trauma, like maybe two different people that were sexually assaulted and, and one could recover well, uh, get help, process that in a healthy way and come out on the other side of that pretty quickly. But maybe somebody else could be very traumatized and be very uh, deeply negatively affected by that. Um, so experiencing either the same thing or something very similar, but experiencing it in a very different way. Um, I think religion is a good example here. You know, we all have different religious or spiritual beliefs. And despite what may be floating around in the mainstream media, we do not all have to agree and believe the same thing. And so having intellectual boundaries means that you're able to honor your truth while holding space for the truth of another. And if someone believes something that I don't, religious or otherwise, it's not my job to convince them of what I believe or what I, th I, th I think is true. And belittling someone or arguing someone because their belief um, doesn't align with yours is a violation of their intellectual boundaries. It's really a violation of your own intellectual boundaries. Like, 
you have a right to your truth, um, but you do not have a right to convince someone (laughs) of your truth. Uh, And so this is not to say that we should tolerate any kind of abusive behavior, but that is like a whole tangent and I will spare you all that for now. Uh, I want to make a couple things clear here. First of all, setting boundaries can feel really uncomfortable at first. If you've never really done it before and you're codependent, people please, or whatever, the first time you do it, you're going to feel like you're going to (laughs) die. Like you're going to die or this person that you're doing this with is going to hate you forever and never speak to you again. Uh, And then every time you do it, it's going to get a little bit easier. But again, if it's not something that you are used to, or if it's a concept that you're learning for the first time, like me, it's going to feel uncomfortable for a while. Um, So I want you to know that you're not selfish for having boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are necessary. Um, Second, boundaries are not set with the intention of changing someone else's behavior. So again, they're meant to communicate what you're willing to tolerate. And if you make someone aware of your boundary and they continue to violate it, then you need to decide if you want to continue to interact with that person. So setting a boundary is not... um, Trying to think of... uh, an example. So if, if you're if you're setting a boundary in the form of if if you continue to do X, then I will Y. Uh, the intent is not to get the. I'm not communicating this well. It is and it isn't to get that person to stop doing what they're doing. Um. And it, again, if it's a healthy relationship safe relationship, things are good, then if somebody hears that, they will like, they will stop. But if, if you have communicated that something makes you uncomfortable or something upsets you or uh, please don't touch me like that, whatever, and someone keeps doing it, even though they know that it upsets you and it bothers you, then that person doesn't respect you. <laughs> like, and, and this, again, I'm talking to myself because this is this is something I had no concept of for a really long time. But if you say, hey, please don't do that. And someone's like, Haha, and they keep doing it. They don't respect you. And then you need to ask yourself why you continue, continue to interact with that person. And so if you continue to do X, I will do Y. And you can literally word it like that, or it could just be something in your brain. If you say to this person, hey, please, uh," a a good example that you see a lot is discussing politics. Hey, I'm not, I am not interested in discussing politics with you. And if you continue to bring it up, I'm going to have to end this conversation or I'm going to have to leave. Um, So... You can say that or you can say, hey, I'm not interested in talking about politics with you. And then in your brain, you say, if this person keeps talking about politics, I'm going to have to leave. So you can do it in a couple different ways. And 
maybe maybe that response, what you're going to do if the behavior continues is you're going to leave. Maybe you're going to limit contact with that person. Maybe you're going to stop contact contacting that person entirely. But the important thing to consider here is communication. Not just communicating what your boundaries are, but also consider being open to a dialogue with others. Sometimes you just need to set it and forget it. But again, keep saying it. But when you're in a healthy relationship, you should be able to talk about these things with a partner, with a friend, and not you know, not have everybody having a meltdown in a screaming match, but having, having a nice back and forth. Um, I, uh, I heard something recently that I think will be helpful in this situation and it is the acronym think. So you can use this generally, but I think it's useful here when you're attempting to set a boundary or really saying anything at all, consider think. Is it thoughtful? Is it honest? Is it intelligent? Is it necessary? Is it kind? So let me give you some examples. So let's say that you're having a conversation with a friend and they give you some sort of feedback. Um, Without going through the think process, you might say, damn it, Karen, you think that you know better than everybody else and you always feel the need to give your two cents because doesn't every Karen always. Um... But if you think about that, think, I'm trying to be, trying to be witty here, but is that thoughtful, honest, intelligent, necessary, and kind? I don't think it is. So maybe instead you can say, hey, I appreciate your feedback. I know it's coming from a good place, but right now I'm not looking for advice. Are you able to just listen for now? Um, so again, you have a decision to make if that person says, um, no, actually I'm not. Or if you say that and you keep talking because you just want to vent to this person and they're like, ah, I remember when I went through something similar and this was, I did what I did again. You'd be like, you know what, actually, I think we should just stop talking about this. Like, this is not what I need right now. And, uh, so it opens up that opportunity for communication. Um, and maybe, maybe in that situation, uh, you could have a friend that would say, you know what, I hadn't considered that. Uh, I do, I do give a lot of feedback without asking and I'll, I'll, I'll be more mindful to ask before I do next time. And, and sometimes that, that would even just be starting off a conversation with like, Hey, I really need to vent. <laughs> like, is that okay? Can you, can you just listen for a minute? And someone can say, yeah, sure. Or someone can say, uh, actually, I can't right now. I'm sorry. Whatever. Um, it's just a lot of ways that this can play out and a lot of ways that this can look like. So I'm trying to give some examples. Um, maybe another one might be that you're at some kind of dinner or a get together or whatever. And someone makes a comment about the fact that you're going back for seconds. You're filling up your plate for a second time. So a knee-jerk response might be, hey, fuck you, nobody asked, (laughs) which might be what you want to say. But again, is that thoughtful? Is it honest? Is it intelligent? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Again, I don't think so. So maybe instead you could say the amount of food that I eat is not something I'm willing to discuss and I would appreciate you not commenting on it in the future. And if that person says, 
I'm sorry. I hadn't considered that. I won't do that anymore. Or, or even if they just don't do it anymore. Great. But if that person either immediately responds with something like, uh, whatever fatty, or maybe the next time you get together and this person is around, they make another comment about what you're eating. Uh, Again, you got to decide, do you want to keep interacting with that person? Do you want to keep spending time around that person? Um, and so here's something else to consider. Sometimes it's hard for us to connect with how we should be treated or what we should tolerate. So if you have a hard time with that, then maybe you can consider your situation as if your friend or someone you love is going through the same thing. And what would you tell them? What would you want for them? Um, what advice would you give? Just what, how how would you how would you want that situation to play out if it was a friend or if it was somebody you cared about? So maybe think about being a third party in one of these situations where you're at that dinner and uh, someone gets up to get plate of seconds and another person makes a comment of like, oh, well, you didn't get enough the first time. That's an opportunity for you as that person's friend to be like, hey, that's uh, that's not appropriate. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> Why would you say that? My new favorite thing that I intend to start using much more often is when someone says something abusive or ignorant or racist or uh, whatever, disrespectful, I'm going to start saying, what do you mean by that? Because, number one, it's fun to watch somebody's brain, like, and get confused when you ask them that because they weren't anticipating having to justify what they just said. Uh, like, imagine how fun that would be, honestly. If that if that happened to you or you're watching that happen to somebody else and someone's like, oh, man, look at you going up for another plate of seconds. What should have worn your stretchy pants? You can look at them and say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Uh, and either, I mean, either way, things are probably going to get super awkward, but that will probably stop some of that dead in its tracks. So again, if you can't, if you're having a hard time getting in touch with what you deserve and how you should be treated, then maybe you can consider, would I want my friend to be treated this way? Would I want my mother, my sister, my brother, my best friend? Would I want any of those people that I care about to be treated that way? So think about that. And then if someone says something disrespectful, what do you mean by that? I really like it. I've heard it. I've used it a couple times. It's really fun. Um, something else I want to mention is that boundaries aren't just for other people. Setting boundaries with yourself is also important. And one of the consequences of people-pleasing behavior is a lack of self-trust. And when you spend so much time looking to other people for your answers and, you, and, and for how you should be and what you should do and how you should think and whatever, you, uh, you lose touch with your own <laughs> internal guidance. You doubt your own instincts. You stop trusting yourself. Um, and I've had a handful of synchronicities over the past 
uh, week or so that have confirmed that this is one of the things I want to talk about in this episode. Um, I was reading it in a book last week. Uh, one of the books I'm currently reading is How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. She's the uh, holistic psychologist on Instagram, if you're interested. And I also saw a TikTok that was something very similar. And so what both of these people were communicating is that the way you build up self-trust is by keeping one small promise to yourself every day. And that promise is essentially a boundary that you're keeping with yourself. So on the TikTok, the guy was saying that um, depending on where you're at, the promise can vary. So maybe you're really struggling with depression and all you can really promise yourself is that you're going to brush your teeth in the morning. Um, I've been there this year. Uh, didn't have the spoons for anything else. And the example from the book was a client of Dr. LaPera was working um, on this as well. And her promise to herself, the promise that she started with was that she would have a glass of water before her cup of coffee every morning. And when she would do that, she would praise herself for it, even though at first it felt a little silly. But when she would do that, she'd be like, look at you go. Look at you keeping promises to yourself. Um, so yeah, Dr. LaPera also developed her future self journal. And this is a free resource you can get uh, her Instagram is the holistic psychologist with a period in between each word, I think. Um, and I'm sure there's a link to it or on her website or something like that, but it's, it's not a, it's not a literal journal. It is a PDF of this tech, this technique, uh, and you can use whatever journal you like. So I started doing this last year and then I stopped and it's interesting because, in some ways, the things that I was working on or asking for, I've, I've gotten them and I've, I've seen those shifts. But in other ways, I can see how the places that I stopped are the, the things that I'm still working on a year later. So I started doing this again this year. Recently, I think in November, I started doing it again. And uh, so what it is. And again, you can get the whole thing on her website and it'll explain it much better than I am, but it is today I am practicing blank. I am grateful for blank. Today I am blank. Change in this area allows me to feel blank. And today I am practicing when blank. So it's a very quick, easy practice. I do it in the morning uh, before I do anything else really. And, uh, the idea is that you witness some sort of behavior, um, something about yourself that you would like to change, and you start like start very small. <laughs> because if you start too big, then you're going to overload your subconscious and your brain's going to be like, mm, nah, I'm good the way I am. Thank you. So start small. And then you work on the same thing for 30 days. So what I did last month was showing up for myself. Uh, so this is the first entry I did. This was November 5th of this year. Today I am practicing showing up for myself. I am grateful for all the ways I have grown and changed in the last year. Today I am shifting. Change in this area allows me to feel empowered and capable. 
Today I am practicing when I notice my resistance to doing things that are good for me and meeting the part of myself, meeting that part of myself with love and compassion. I know that fear is just trying to keep me safe. And then the last one, let's see. I guess it would have been like the beginning of December. Let me find it here. Um, today I'm practicing showing up for myself when I really don't want to. I am grateful for all the spaces and ways I have found to heal. Today I am recovering and motivating. Interesting. Change in this area allows me to feel stable, capable, and powerful. Today, I am practicing when I finish cleaning and organizing my house so I have a nice space to live in. So there you go. So this month, I'm working on building self-trust. And so using this sort of model from Dr. LaPera's book and from this TikTok that I saw, keeping a promise to myself every day. And again, depending on where I'm at, that promise might be a little bit bigger maybe a little bit smaller, but one of the examples uh, of a promise I've made to myself is that I will fold and put away the laundry after work. That's a big one because if you're anything like me, you'll transfer the same basket of clothes to the bed, to the basket every day for like a week uh, until you need to wash your underwear again. (laughs) And that cycle continues, especially if you're, uh, in a, in a depressive kind of episode, the, the washing of the laundry is the easy part because you just got to throw it in there. But to actually fold it and put it away, it's like, mm, I'll just sift through and find what I need for today and put it all back in the basket when I go to bed at night. Uh, another example is that I will pack the lunch that I made for myself rather than eating out for lunch. And so the important thing, again, start small. And then set these boundaries based on where you're at emotionally and physically. But this is a boundary. So this is you telling yourself, I'm going to do this. And then, or this is important to me. This is something I'm going to do. It's a little abstract because it's yourself. But if you say, when I get home from work, I'm going to fold the laundry and put it away. And then when you get home later from work, you're like, "Mm, actually, I'm not. I'm going to watch four hours of Netflix instead. So then the version of you from the morning is looking at the version of you from the night like, hey, uh, what the fuck? We determined we were going to do this and now you're not doing it. And that diminishes your self-trust. And if you are not starting small and meeting yourself where you're at, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So if you just had foot surgery and your promise to yourself is that you're going to run three days a week. Uh, that that's not reasonable (laughs) and that allows space for your inner critic to come in and say things like, I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you weren't going to do it. Um, so yeah, I, uh, today the promise is to do some kind of movement today. That promise is to read on my lunch break today that like, that one of these days I was not having a great day. Today, the promise is to do the journal. So literally by the time I finished this journal entry, I had kept my promise to myself. 
uh, today that promises finishing my podcast notes today that promises taking the trash out. Um, so yeah, maybe practice that. Start trying to keep one small promise to yourself every day and see how that goes. And I'm about, I actually restarted because last week I had several very early days and I didn't get to do it. And instead of skipping a week, I just restarted and I didn't, I didn't give myself shit because I had those early days and I had things to do, but, um, yeah. So, all right. Just a few more things that I want to leave you with before I pull a couple cards and then stop talking. (laughs) Uh, let these roll around in your brain a little bit. All right. Number one, how you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. Number two, your boundaries can change and they don't have to make sense to anybody else. And number three, boundaries should not harm healthy relationships. So chew on that. All right, let's pull some cards and wrap up this episode. So I'm going to pull three. And it's going to be from the Oracle of the Seven Energies, because that's what I was feeling like today. I haven't used this deck in a while. And uh, all right, so one through three, pick a number or wait and see which one feels good to you. In what ways can you strengthen your boundaries? Or maybe where do you need to strengthen your boundaries? Or what do you need to know about your boundaries? We'll shuffle ASMR for you. Okay, one, two, three. All right. Number one, card one, which is number 19 in this deck, Waking the Lion. And what I'm getting with this one is that you are significantly stronger than you give yourself credit for. Maybe this is uh, this concept of setting boundaries is something you've been playing with. Maybe you've tried it a couple times and it's been super scary. Uh, Maybe it hasn't gone well. Maybe you've gotten a negative reaction for setting a boundary, which getting... If someone reacts negatively to your boundary, that's on them. (laughs) You shouldn't be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You should have. Something's bothering you. Something upsets you. If something makes you uncomfortable, you have every right to voice that. Um, So maybe these negative experiences have caused you to think that this idea of boundaries is just not for you. Uh, but it's for everyone and, and you can do it. (laughs) It just, again, it takes practice. So wake up that inner lion. (laughs) He's been sleeping and resting and it's time for him to wake up that part of you, um, that has your own back and can set a boundary regardless of the reaction you get from somebody else. And at the end of it, be glad that you did it because you stuck up for yourself and you protected yourself and you spoke about what you need and what you want. So you're stronger than you think. You are absolutely strong enough to set and keep boundaries and they are necessary. 
So keep doing what you're doing. It will get better. I promise. The next card, number two, which is actually number four in the deck, is great and full. Um, and this is actually reminding me of something that was said to me last night. Uh, you have to appreciate the, the lows just as much as you appreciate the highs. And, and, and really having that gratitude... And respect and appreciation for those low points in your life. It just makes those high points so much better. Um, not in a sense of like you have to earn it. Uh, but. Both. Both. I don't like really good and bad. But good and bad experiences are part of life. There are highs and lows. The ebbs and the flows. Whatever you want to call it. And it's all part of it. And so um, this, this one feels like it might be a little bit for me, honestly, that if you've been stuck in a bad place and you're sort of sitting there tapping your foot like, all right, like I'm ready to go. When are we done with this? Um, part of the reason you're still stuck in it is because you haven't taken a moment to really say like, wow, this was difficult. But look at what it taught me. Look at how it changed me. Look at how I've grown. And and giving giving that same admiration to any any experience that's been positive for you in your life. It's easier when it's a positive experience to be like, "Wow, that was really great. I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad we did that. I'm so glad whatever." It's easier to do it when it's not a difficult thing. But if you're able to appreciate the lows, have respect for the lows, know that they're part of your experience, you'll be able to get out of them quicker. <laughs> because really that's that's what they're meant. That's what they're meant for is to teach you something, to show you something, help you grow or change in some way, and then you can get out on the other side of it. But if you're if you're just miserable with where you are, you get stuck. Because you're not, you're not seeing the whole thing. You're not seeing everything you need to see. All right, number three, which is number 16 in the deck, the royal you. And this feels like it's meant for those of you who are really good at setting boundaries. And honestly, Anne Adrian, if you're listening, uh, my Anne Adrian is a really good example of someone who is good at boundaries. She, uh, she's very good at communicating what she wants and what she does not want. And if there's something going on that she does not want to deal with, she will promptly be like, no, thank you. I'm going to go do this thing over here. Um, and she's very, uh, cognizant of her time and her space, and that's very important to her, and she takes time for herself. Uh, so the royal you. You uh, you are someone who has done this. You feel like you have a pretty, pretty good handle on it. That doesn't mean it's, it's easy all the time, and that doesn't mean it necessarily comes naturally to you. You may still have to think about it a little bit, and you may still get a little anxious when you do it sometimes, but generally you have a good handle on this. 
and you you realize that this is not to push people away. You realize that this is not to hurt other people or to make other people feel bad. You know that this is to protect you, to protect that royal you. And that boundaries are not only necessary and healthy, but you are entitled to them. We are all entitled to boundaries. We are all entitled to dictate what we are and are not willing to have in and around our life. And maybe I'm also feeling like there's some of you in this group that you're still relatively new to this idea of boundaries, but you're starting to, you're starting to get it. You're starting to see why it's necessary. Um, as opposed to the, the person for card one, the waking the lion where you're, you're just starting to do this and it's not going very well at first. Uh, you've, you've kind of passed those experiences. Not that they're not going to happen again, but you've passed those experiences where it's been very uncomfortable and very difficult to do this. And you're just getting a better, better handle on it and you can see why you need it and you can see the positive outcomes to this, to having, having that respect for yourself, having that understanding of yourself, having that awareness of what you want and what you need. And, um, just like this card, I know you can't see it, but has a crown on it and really just, uh, knowing that peace is not a luxury. Everybody deserves to have peace and everybody deserves to dictate how they spend their time and what they have time for and what they have the capacity for and how they want to be touched and what they want in the bedroom and all that, everything that I've covered. That's, that's, that's your right (laughs) to say, this is what I want. And then either you're going to find yourself in relationships and dynamics where The person on the other end of that interaction is like, thanks for telling me that. Or uh, they, they hear you and they, they respect what you have asked for, or they don't. And you realize that that's not somebody you need in your life. So yeah, that's what I got. Let's we'll click quick little card pull. Um, This is the last episode of the year. This is episode 25, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I have big plans for the new year. I think that I have beaten the codependency horse to death. And I hope that this uh, series has been valuable for you in some way. I know that it has been for me. It's really helpful for me to see my progress and to see... You know, I, uh, a year ago, I I don't think I had boundaries, (laughs) like not at all. And now I do, whether I'm stating them explicitly or it's just kind of something I've decided I have them and I'm practicing and I'm learning and that's pretty, pretty significant. So, um, anyway, all of that to say is that I'm going to be moving on. I will start talking about some other things that I've been working on. I want to start doing um, 
maybe individual episodes that are for card pulls. I'm considering maybe within the next few days doing a kind of like look into 2022 and having that be its own episode. So if that's something you're into, let me know. Probably going to do it anyway. I have some really great guests lined up within the new year. I, uh, yeah, I got plans and I hope that you will keep showing up to listen and see what I've got to talk about. And before I forget, because I always do shout out to Jess Walker for the cover art, shout out to Doug Halliday for the music. All of their information is in the show notes. I will also link uh, Dr. LaPera or put her Instagram handle in case you want to download that future self journal because that's been really great. And yeah, I hope that the last few days of the year are good for you. And I will see you next time. Bye.